I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I found a thing that the more gruesome a murder is, this is true of all of them, the quicker I fall asleep. This odd thing that happens where I find it so relaxed, it's like, oh my God, that is ghastly. They found a leg in a bin. <laughs> it just sends me, some, something happens which just makes me feel so relaxed. And then I go to sleep. Hello, and welcome to the podcast Cast Away. A podcast about podcasts. A cross between a goggle box and desert island discs of podcasts. I'm Laura Whitmore, broadcaster, performer, chancer, and podcast lover. I've been on a mission to get my next fix of podcast recommendations. Every week, I'll be talking about all things podcasts with people who love podcasts, many of whom have podcasts themselves. Many times can I say podcast in one sentence? I reckon a few more. So whether you're looking for podcasts about mental health or comedy, love, crime, or your next fictional series to binge listen to, my guests have got you covered. You may also be surprised by what some folk are listening to. And from that, a springboard into some really interesting discussions. Welcome to Castaway. Hello, if you've listened to the podcast before, welcome back. And if it's your first time, just welcome. We're over halfway through the first series and just want to take a moment to thank you for your support so far. I was thinking... If you have suggestions of podcasts we haven't discussed yet, please do mention them in the comments below. Uh, I'm going to do a mention every week of a listener suggestion because I think it's a good way for for me as well to increase my uh, catalogue of podcasts and will help me leave no stone unturned in my pursuit of the podcasts that we live for. This week, it's been so dark and miserable outside. It's about getting the heavy coats on, not shaving your legs, all the fun things that you don't need to know about. But uh, this podcast really brightened me up, um, even though what we talk about might be dark at times. Today's guest I've been a fan of since I read her first Sunday Times bestseller, Animal. Comedian Sarah Pascoe. Now, you would be surprised by her listening habits. As I said, we talk about a lot of dark, real-life things. Murder. Maybe an insight into the mind of a comedian? Sarah is also very clever. She's a natural curiosity to find out more, as seen in her new podcast, Sex, Power, Money, and how much research she's done in her second book of the same name. We talk all things sex, money, power. We also talk serial killers. And we talk about her dog, Mouse, and my dog, Mick. This week on Castaway, it's Sarah Pascoe. Sarah Pascoe, welcome to Castaway. Hey, thank you for having me. No, it's great to have you here. Um, I feel like I've met you in passing a lot. I've never properly sat down and had a good old chat. No, because I always meet you at busy things. <laughs> but the first time I met you, I think, was just over a year ago at the GQ um, yes. Awards for Men. For Men. For, for, awards for Men. And um, Imagine women there, yeah. shocking. <laughs> and, um, I dressed up as a man. 
Yeah, that's how you have to get in. How you get in. You have to get in. They x-ray your pants. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, so it's always like a busy place in passing. Yeah. Just going. But I follow you on Instagram, which means... Yeah, I know what you do. I know what you're up to. I love when I saw your GQ, these earrings on, and you're Mm. like, oh, you you have those earrings too. Yeah, oh, the two Lally ones. Yes. And then they've given all of the same earrings to everyone on Strictly this year. (laughs) So Michelle Versace was wearing those same earrings of the day. Really cool. Yeah, really cool. I need to get them back out again. Yeah. Um, I always knew I'd like you because you've got a dog called Mouse and you're a dog person yes yeah and um, I always feel I can trust people who like dogs I don't trust people who don't like animals it's a very odd thing isn't it I know because I some people have a fear and I do understand that so I never want to kind of just say people who don't like dogs are bad people but it's a correlation yeah definitely yeah and um, we're here to talk all things podcasts and initially when I you know started to do this have you been with podcasts since the beginning because no, I'm a late adopter I'm a late and I'll yeah. admit that and some people mm. go you're not a real podcaster yeah but I didn't realise I never listened to the radio so I didn't know that podcasts would be good <laughs> as in I because some people grew up with Radio 4 yeah and I d- just didn't mm-hmm. so I never understood the pleasure of listening to anything I and I also realised podcasts are quite similar to audiobooks and I yes. listen to an audiobook yeah um, especially if I was driving mm. so when I kind of I was saying when I when I made the leap to podcast yes, world, yeah. I was like, actually, it's not it's, it's not that thing. different. Yeah. It's it's storytelling, mm. and and you and what you do as a profession as a comedian, yeah. you're a storyteller. Yeah, and I always think similar with music, you can tell a lot about someone by what they listen to. Yeah, and well, so I, I'm not a very listening person, so I'd never listened to audiobooks and I still haven't really, and I don't really like music. Well, ho- yeah, I know. I'm sorry, I'm, you don't like music. No, not really. I like to take that when I was growing up, like in an obsessive way. And I guess, do you know what I do like is like chart music, pop music, as in like the music that some people despise. I just like, but it's so great. <laughs> it makes you feel so cheerful. Like the cheesy stuff. Yeah, cheesy yeah, yeah. stuff. Or, and just, I just, but I, yeah, I don't have any kind of love with great musicians I know nothing about like bands and we, cool people I feel like we can have a chat another day yeah okay but, but uh, when I got the list of the podcasts that you'd like to recommend mm. on this podcast yeah. I mean times can I say podcast mm. I was like oh that's there's a lot of true crime there's yes. a lot of murder there yeah a lot of murder I yeah. could have just done murder podcasts and it's actually very rare that I'm really into something that doesn't have murder in it is that something you've kind of grown up with always? I think I really loved in? it. Do you remember, did you have the magazine 14 Times no. in Ireland? Um, so this magazine, my my mum's twin sister used to have it and she used to look after us a lot. And so it was a magazine that was all about a kind of, I guess, like spooky things and the occult, but it would have pictures of dead bodies in and stuff like the that. real pictures? Or, or t- yeah. How or, old were you when you were looking? Well, well, so probably from like seven, eight, nine. Okay. And so there, I went through this phase of life of like, being very fascinated with certain things. And then I think I forgot all about it until I started listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. And the first one, oh, this is what this was actually the whole story. I saw Freya from um, Lazy Susan mm-hmm. on the North London line. She was laughing to herself, <laughs> just laughing <laughs> like a mad woman. Headphones were in, I'm yeah, hoping. He, yeah, so headphones were in. And I interrupted her and she said, I'm so sorry, I'm just really laughing to myself. Um, do you listen to my favourite murder? And I was like, what's your favourite murder? I thought she was telling me about her favourite murder. And then she said, no, no, it's this podcast and it's these two women and they just describe murders to each other and it's the funniest thing ever. And so I started listening to it and then I got obsessed and then I remembered all the stuff I was into. So that was that was my gateway back into, they call it being a murderino. On murderino? Murderino. Oh, yeah. I'll take that. 
So two days later, on September 13th, two migrant farm workers discover Rhonda and Kippy's bodies, but it would take several years and eight more victims until authorities discover the identities of the killers, husband and wife, serial rapist and killers, Gerald and Charlene Gallego. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about him first. Gerald Armand Gallego. He was born July 17th, 1946 in Sacramento. He's the son of two career criminals. So he had never met his father, who was Gerald Albert Gallego, basically Gerald Sr., who was doing time in San Quentin when Jerry Jr. was born. Um, Gerald Sr. would spend the rest of his life in and out of jail. And in 1955, he had the... um, the honor of being the first person put to death in Mississippi's brand new gas chamber for murdering two policemen. So that's his dad who he never knew. He is raised by his mother, Lorraine, who is a sex worker on Sacramento's skid row. So, uh, not a great childhood. He spent most of it, um, running errands for pimps and being abused by his mother and her many boyfriends. Um, he's very, he was a very neglected child, very needy, uh, always unwashed, really sad, yeah. very sad. Um, and he starts committing crimes and getting in trouble with the law when he's six years old. Holy fucking shit. Yeah. And um, my favorite murder was launched, uh, in 2016. When did you start listening to it? Um, what year is it now? 2019. So probably a year and a half ago. And what's so great if a podcast has existed for a little while mm-hmm. is that you can what they call binge, yeah. which means I was just listening it to it all the time. I found a thing that the more gruesome a murder is, this is true of all of them, the quicker I fall asleep. This odd thing that happens where I find it so relaxed, it's like, oh my God, that is ghastly. They found a leg in a bin. <laughs> it just sends me, some, something happens which just makes me feel so relaxed. And then I go to sleep. Where do you listen to podcasts? You say they're in, in bed before you go to sleep. In bed to go to sleep every night. So my boyfriend, who wasn't at all into true crime, now the case file is an Australian one. Yeah. And my boyfriend's Australian. And so the sound of his voice, even the spooky, spooky music of it, makes us both go sleepy. So we can't listen to it in the daytime. We'll just, over several nights, we'll listen to it to find out what happens. <laughs> we have to, we realise when we both fell asleep, he's like, I haven't heard this bit. <laughs> okay, go back. So you listen simultaneously then? Yeah, so yeah. we've got the, the phone is on the pillow. Oh. And we both go to sleep. So- so romantic, it is, isn't, isn't it? it? it is, How yeah. lovely! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Casefile that you mentioned there. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that because I actually hadn't listened to Casefile before yes. I saw your recommendation. Yeah. Mm. And um, we talk about the host. Um, it's an Australian show. The host has chosen to remain anonymous, yeah. which makes it even more interesting. So spooky, yeah. And all and the, all of the episodes are written by different people. So often the writer is credited who's done the research. It's a very very well researched podcast. And um, in, and they're usually standalone episodes, although they've done some linked ones. They did one about Silk Road, which was mm-hmm. the dark web, which I knew nothing about beforehand. And it's so interesting. And um, like Escape from Alcatraz. And I, I will sometimes look and go, I don't care about... And then it's just done in such a brilliant, like you say, storytelling way. Do you get... I, sometimes when I listen to a podcast about something I'm not particularly interested in, mm. I, I think afterwards I can't stop thinking about it like say for example with Alcatraz mm. like do you afterwards do you kind of google do you kind of want yes. to find out more yeah absolutely because you have a little bit of information or a lot of information and then you then realise oh I am really interested in it traditional prison didn't intimidate rich and renowned career criminals who ruled regional prisons by bribing prison staff intimidating other inmates and smuggling information in and out in response the United States Department of Justice sought to create the ultimate crime deterrent a revolutionary prison guarded by incorruptible staff, 
where all inmates were of equal low status and nothing could get in or out. In October 1933, the Department of Justice acquired ownership of Alcatraz Island, a 22-acre rock in the middle of the cold and treacherous waters of San Francisco Bay, California. Located 1.2 miles from the northern shoreline of San Francisco City, the barren sandstone island featured decaying remnants of its 150-year history, including a lighthouse, fortified stone walls, a citadel, and an old military prison. Upon the structural remains of the old military citadel, they constructed a looming fortification of concrete and steel. Encompassed by guard towers, spotlights, chain-link fences, coiled barbed wire, and thick, toolproof steel bars, they designed a revolutionary maximum security federal penitentiary named Alcatraz Prison. The most expensive prison ever built at the time had featured a main cell house with four cell blocks known as A, B, C and D blocks that were three levels higher with a total of 336 prison cells. Alcatraz Prison was the solution to America's overwhelming crime problem. It didn't aim to rehabilitate like other prisons. It aimed to punish. Do you think the fact that it's that we're listening to it as a like obviously mm. you know watching binge watching Netflix yeah. and Amazon Prime is so yeah. big, but when you're watching TV, you kind of have to fixate completely on it. Yeah. With podcasts, I I know for me, I mm. do it on the, on the move. I do, do it when I'm driving. You? Yeah, I'll do it when I'm going to bed sometimes, mm. but I'm like fall, as I said, falling asleep. Yeah. I never sit down in one place and go. I'm listening to a podcast. Yes. now. no, it's true. But w- walking the dog is sometimes quite nice. Yeah. I sometimes don't take my headphones because I think. It's, especially in autumn, this is going to sound like I'm such a dweeb, it's really lovely to be present at the moment. Like the dog's chasing squirrels and mm. every single day, it's like mushrooms came up recently and it was so exciting. Like, I've never just been outside with mushrooms. Um, <laughs> so, like normal mushrooms. Yes, like, yeah. yeah, normal mushrooms. Yeah. Or any, any, any mushrooms. type of mushrooms, <laughs> actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I do try not to always kind of have a distraction when I'm walking the dog. But that's sometimes quite nice because he has to have like two or two and a half hours of walk a day. And oh, so that's a few mouse, but Let's talk about the dog mouse. Yes. Mouse is only little. He's 10 months. Yeah. Um, he is intact. So he still has his testicles. Oh, uh, I, feel, I feel bad for Mick as my dog and yes. he no longer has the I balls. Don't, I, it's so hard because the vet says and other if other dog walkers, people have started saying, oh, are you going to get his balls done mm. soon? But it just feels like this really odd, huge decision to make about someone else. Whether he, There isn't a problem with him. He just needs a lot of exercise. He's just so clever and so energetic. Mm-hmm. So he just needs to play all day and he needs really long walks. I One of the reasons I got a dog, well, A, was I think I, I hit 30 yeah. and I was like, must get some responsibility yes, in my life. Yeah. And then I got a dog and my mother was like, what are you, like you you can't have a dog. Oh, and I'm really? like, yes, yes, I can. I will prove you wrong. Yeah. But there is this huge responsibility of mm. I have to get up early in the morning and bring the dog for a walk. Yeah. I used to get up five minutes before I had to leave the house. Yeah, absolutely. I, we, um, me and my boyfriend keep money. We would never say this in front of anyone with children. Yeah. But especially because with a puppy, I mean, he would happily wake us up at three, four, five, six to go outside. If he hears a fox, if he thinks there might be a cat there and he should go and check. And we've had broken sleep for a long time and it's so like, oh, fuck having a baby. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I love this dog more than anything, much more than I'd ever love a child. And I'm still going, I'm just so tired. Two and a We're half hours, though. My- yeah. And if you have a like a, a late night... It, the dog doesn't know. You still no. have to get up at seven. See, my dog is a little bit lazy. I have mm. to drag him out of the bed. My dog is basically me in dog oh, form. Oh, makes it a bit snugglier, maybe. Yeah, which then means that I'm the one who has to make the decision yeah. to get up. Um, Mouse even, 
So we have to open the blinds for him because if he's not going to go out, so say it's half six and he knows that people, it's light outside, we have to open the blinds so he can watch outside the window. Like he won't just stay on the bed. Okay. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Responsibility. But it is also very, very rewarding. And I think it I feel is. very lucky. Having a flexible job where you have time to spend and working from home a lot with the dog is so nice. Speaking about animals, um, yeah. one of the podcasts you mentioned is Creature Feature. Yes, which is a relatively new podcast. Yeah. But she's so clever mm-hmm. and um, I've learned so much from it. So she's talking about animals and I keep thinking... So this is Katie um, Golden. Yeah, so yeah. I, I keep thinking, she must have run out of research, but a lot of it does relate to humans. Like there's um, She did an episode which was about cuteness and, and uh, there's certain face shapes and that, that human beings like because we're kind of hardwired to like our own babies and we like baby animals. And, and she had all this research in there about how you can't... The human brain, we can't ignore a baby crying. It's this, it's, so if there's a baby crying on a plane, the reason that bothers you more than any other noise is your brain is programmed to go, I should help, I need to, I can't ignore that because obviously mm-hmm. in their evolution, if we could blank out babies crying, babies would just die. Mm-hmm. And So it's so interesting. And she often finds that kind of approach to things. There was stuff that she had about, um, oh, trust and arousal and um, fear. If, if you meet someone just after they've been really scared. So for instance, if you had a first date... And it was like across a scary bridge, you would be more attracted to them than if you just met them in a pub. Really? Yeah. So, 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 so the psychological study she sometimes so I've been listening up. to this and yes. bringing girls on dates in really yeah. creepy alleyways. Well, that's kind of that. It's like go and do something that releases adrenaline. Yeah. And then and um, so there's a lot of the studies that she mentions are really well described. So even though it is about animals, it's mm-hmm. about all animals, and it always relates back to us. Um, so basically, for those who haven't listened to it, the show asks comedians to put themselves in the mindset of other creatures so we can give listeners an, an in-depth look at the natural world. And um, it's a great listen anyway. It's mm. fun. It's fun. Yeah. To, it's interesting. I sometimes... I like listening to podcasts because I feel it makes me smarter. I yes, pick up these I like facts, that too. like like what you just mm. said there, but the arousal thing. Mm. If I hear that in a podcast, I I don't sometimes I come out with these things in the pub over a pint, mm. going, "Why did I learn that yes. in a podcast?" Probably. Yeah. Well, that's it. So I have a lot of half facts because I've listened to it on a podcast. I put them together and they're yes. not the right facts. Yeah, or, the wrong like, ending. or I don't have the ending of it. I go like, mm, "There's something about." I think it had a bridge in it, um, <laughs> but I started very confidently, uh-huh. and then someone goes, "What year was that?" And you go, "No, no." That's me with uh, yeah. with jokes. I I forget the punchline. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. it would have been so good if I remember how it yeah. ended. Yeah, and then you go, oh, and it was something. There was a policeman. And, yeah, yeah, that's that's the end of it. That happens sometimes with your own stuff. If, sometimes if you haven't gone over your set, you start a bit, and then you go, I don't know how this ends. I don't know what. This I don't is. know how to look like just to start another bit. That's, I don't know how this ends. It's the beauty, I suppose, of, of being a comedian. It's like it's trying to work out how it ends. Yes, maybe yeah. maybe you come up with a new punchline <laughs> yeah, exactly. that was better the than the original. Way, yeah. Uh, Creature feature must really resonate with you as well because you, you your book Animal, mm. um, which I read and loved, and I think before I read it, um, it was actually recommended, like like these podcasts are recommended, yeah. um, and it's before I ever met you, and I I didn't really know what I was going to be reading mm. about, and the amount of research mm. that was within that book, and I mean it's really funny, but it's also really interesting yeah. and. And factual. Yeah. How much time and effort went into it? Right, right. Lots that. of time. There's a lot but, of research. But, but, it was, in it. but it's like you're saying, like, I, and most of us really are so interested in like how people tick. Like, so sometimes it's the best kind of gossip. So mm. while I did do a lot of research for it, it wasn't like very dry. For me, it was like, oh my God, that makes so much sense of that or why I feel this. A big conundrum I'd always had, which was, which was 
I really like, I'm a serial monogamist. I have these long relationships. I don't want to be polyamorous. Mm -hmm. Like I want to love one person at a time. But at the same time, it doesn't stop me fancying other people. And I always thought, oh, my relationship's broken or I'm broken or am I? And so finding out that there's kind of this like evolutionary reasons kind of underlying human sexuality was such a big revelation for me personally that my one thing I wanted to do was share it with other people in a really accessible way Mm. so that no one would pick up the book and go, oh, I don't get it. Like this is too complicated. Just so it was just so simplified because sometimes really interesting information is kind of held by, you know, academia. Yeah, yeah, and it's not it's not relatable. Yeah, even things as basic as that whole concept of why we are attracted to certain people. Mm. And I'm going to break it down to the simple things of I've got a really small nose. Yeah, and I quite like men with big noses. Do you? And I yeah. think it's because I want my child. I don't even know how I feel. Do I want children now? I don't know. But There might be something underneath. When I read your book, I was like, oh. Just different. Because people have, there's there's, there's two different things. Sometimes people go for people who really look like them, which I sometimes fall into the the trap of. My mum, whenever she meets a new boyfriend, she goes, oh, it's you again, isn't it? (laughs) And then you think, I don't don't see that. But I guess I do go for kind of facial structure similarities. You fancy yourself is what you're saying, Sarah. Yeah, that's what my mum If you can't have yourself, find someone that looks like you. that's exactly what my mum says. (laughs) She says, she can't go out with the mirror, so she, <laughs> she finds a man. And um, But then some people, it's the exact opposite. You want a spread of genes, and yeah. so you go for opposites. There's also a theory with nose size that it's about, it's phallic, that it's, big noses Ooh. are attractive because they remind us of the penis. Owen Wilson talks that, about it, about having he? a broken nose, because men with broken noses are often very attractive, and apparently it's a phallic thing. Oh, my other half has a broken nose. Really? Yeah. yeah. I never, I've never thought about this before. I'm thinking of things in a whole different yeah. way now. Um, back to Creature Feature. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your favorite kind of episode that kind of stood out on um, that? Well, I, the, 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 that a, a couple about. of ones recently have been brilliant because they've been doing kind of spooky Halloween animals. So some of them were, one of the episodes was really gross about parasites. And <sighs> so like there's this, oh God, there's one parasite and it gets into the, the little tops of snail's eyes and it's inside and if you see it, it's pulsing inside this little worm. Oh God. And there's a, there's a parasite that eats a fish's tongue and then acts as its tongue and eats all its food. So stuff like that. Oh, I think and it's a, a lot of those things happen in deep sea. Like when you have an absence of sunlight, mm. you get these really grotesque monsters and then um, the one this week was um, the Halloween episode which is all about kind of vampire squids and things like that and it's kind of telling you how they work and... I, what is a vampire? See, I, these are animals. Yes. Are you, this could be like watching a sci-fi. I feel yeah. like these are made-up animals. Exactly. And that's what, she, that's what she was saying. She was like, it's not a vampire and it's not a squid even. It's a kind of octopus. And, but always the time when you're finding out about an animal, you're finding out about millions of years of evolution of mm-hmm. responding to environment. Mm-hmm. Which I, that's what I think, the cause and effect of it going. If you live here, you need to be like that. Or the fact that then all of these creatures up with a parasite, they have to coexist. So like one of the animals was covered. It looks like it's wearing a jacket. And then you realise the jacket's moving. It's covered in mites. Oh. Uh, no, th- honestly, they were quite scary. I've already episodes. had my lunch. So yes. It's fine. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah. it, Sarah. I'll be eating for another while. As of 2018, the Dracula ant's mandibles are the fastest known moving body part in the animal kingdom. Whoa. They can snap their jaws at 200 miles per hour, which is 5,000 times what? faster than blinking. Uh, this is fast enough to generate force that stuns and kills their prey. Uh, so listeners of the show and or maybe just people generally interested in animals uh, know <laughs> that uh, mantis shrimp are also really fast at yeah. uh, snapping their claws. Uh, mantis shrimp can snap their claws at a 
about 23 meters per second, whereas the Dracula ants can snap their mandibles at 90 meters per second. So it's way faster than the mantis shrimp. Um, a little fact about Katie, um, mm. uh, who who, do, who hosts it. Yeah. She studies psychology and evolutionary biology at Harvard. Mm. I always feel, feel when you have someone doing a podcast who kind of has the authority. Yes. It, and yeah. she's hilarious as well. But she is really funny. Yeah. Ha, I suppose, and I suppose someone who uses mm. humour and a lot of your stand-up mm. can be about serious things. You yes. talk about your relationships. You talk mm. about, we're going to talk about your own podcast yeah. a little bit later on. But... How is her, you know, as a narrator, how does that help you in it kind of with the enjoyment of the, of the podcast? I, I, I think um, always when someone makes something funny, it's very much easier to digest. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I think as human beings, we can't help being feeling very warmly to people who amuse us. Mm-hmm. What happens in stand-up comedy quite often is, um, usually in an Edinburgh show, not all comics, but there'll be... You earn the right to have a couple of minutes of earnestness, um, like the TED Talk moment mm-hmm. where someone just go, guys, can we just stop beating women? Or Yeah, <laughs> and then we? they're like, yeah. when is the funny bit coming? Yeah, and then they go, da-da-da, relieve the tension, there we go, back yeah. on track. But you do notice, and it's I think it's great, but with, with most comedians, they know, I've got two minutes leeway, no longer than that, and then you, cause, because by then you've then gone into, this isn't comedy anymore. If yeah. you can, if you could be, if you could mm. come back to this world as any other creature, oh. what would you come back as? I would say a dog. Yeah, but it would. It's so dependent on who you live your, with. Isn't who it? your owner is, yeah. isn't it? Who so your you owner is, and the kind of you can't leave. You not like a human, we can get up and leave if you're not That's happy. It. Yeah, and you just think, oh god, some dogs, their lives are not nice. But my dog has such an amazing life. Come did back you, as your dog. Oh god, did you know this? Our dogs have a higher carbon footprint than like <gasps> men in Sri Lanka. <laughs> They're not sustainable. No, because of all that. Well, I realise that there's lo- loads of stuff for the dog is covered in plastic, like lots of the treats mm-hmm. and a lots of the like toys. My dog eats mm-hmm. through toys a lot. He's really chewy. And um, all this, all of that waste and then like all the fluffing that comes out of things, but just from their food and the farming of their food because they live in the Western world. Actually, yeah, I've never really thought about my dog before. No. I'm so busy trying to not have water bottles around. I feel if... Yes. I've I've done that thing where I I, I have it today, mm. like I fill up a, a water bottle. Is yes, now? yeah. You can hear it. Uh, but I remember I was out and I didn't have it with me and I was really thirsty. I know, I do, that's what I do now. I just all day without <laughs> drinking water. I'm not drinking water. And I was like, I really want to go in and buy a bottle of water. But if, I, if someone sees me, mm. I might as well have murdered someone. Yeah. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Uh, another podcast, which actually mm. is probably... 
probably one of the long actually probably one of the longer ones that are from your mm. list is no such thing as a fish oh yeah um, these are the QILs mm. um, uh, and obviously QI the programme yes. yeah. and I never really thought about who's who's coming up with all these facts where yes. are they coming from yeah. they come from the QILs yeah. uh, and this actually was launched back in 2014 Um when did you kind of get into it? When you were kind of when involved I was, with QI? I think no. When I was getting into podcasts, so yeah. which must be 2017. I think this was the first podcast I ever subscribed to. <gasps> and again, that's a big thing. It now. is a big it's jump on to your go, phone, taking it. up memory. And I was looking forward to it every. It comes out on Fridays, and I just think there's such. I mean, again, it's that. It's exactly what we're talking about. It's the balance of I'm learning stuff. Some of it's really great to repeat to other people, and they're so funny and they kind of banter with each other and they've all kind of researched a little bit on each other's facts and it's just such a great format. You mentioned there the fact that it comes out every Friday. Mm. I remember when I was a kid and I used to watch TV live. Mm. I don't really anymore. I kind yeah. of watch it, you know, streaming and stuff. Mm. It was like, ooh, sat, like still now, Saturday night, Strictly an X yes, Factor. Yeah podcasts kind of have taken mm. over that now I listen to Blind Boys 1 comes out on a Wednesday and yeah. as you said with this No Such Thing as a Fish, fish comes out on a Friday yeah. Yeah. having those regular kind of certain time frames It's so great I think it's good it's so I like great. it I love that No Such Thing as a Fish is a Friday but um, Joan and Jerrica which yeah. I really love is Thursdays and so that's it the minute stuff I'm like Steen it's my boyfriend it's up <laughs> really? <laughs> so exciting it's, it's here it's kind of like yeah. oh, the TV it's show dropped. starting exactly. yeah. Yeah. So, yeah No Such Thing as a Fish um, yeah. as I mentioned it's brought to you from four QILs each mm. week um, they discuss their favourite facts on earth in the past seven days this goes back to what I was talking about how I, I love just in the pub coming up mm. with did you know this Yeah, and I can't remember what episode it was on but they must have talked 20 minutes about potatoes Yeah, which makes me feel like a very cliched Irish mm. person but they have some great facts about yes. potatoes yeah. why you can't batter them yeah, so I know. Oh, do you know this now? No, I listened to it. Yeah, it was so interesting about the edges of um, that, that every other plant needs the batter. But the thing about starch mm-hmm. is that it will then become a crispy thing, and the whole thing was like triple cooking them. Yeah, and yeah. why you can't properly quadruple yeah. cook chips, or how you can cook chips in space. Yeah, um, you need to cook them at three times the Earth's gravity. So Jupiter, ideal yeah. for cooking chips. It's so interesting, isn't it? So I didn't know how chips. Why chips are nice, basically, until researching this fact. <laughs> what do you mean? Why are they nice? So it's exactly because of that. So it, it's when you deep fry chips, mm. what happens is you've got, obviously, you're just potato chunks, you know, that's all they are originally. But then, <laughs> thanks to the magic of cooking, so when they touch the oil, all the moisture on their surface immediately vaporizes mm. and that Im- immediately forms this dry, hard layer on the outside. But the moisture inside that layer is trapped. And that's when it steams the flesh of the potato. And that's what makes it fluffy on the inside. And obviously it's crunchy on the outside because of the sort of hard oil layer. But you need that shell to form instantly. Otherwise, the moisture will seep out. And then you'll have, you know, basically a dry all the way through stick. So that's a disaster. And it's only batter and potato starch which can form that instant hard layer when you're really? making, when you're cooking, yeah. So that's why you don't need to batter chips, and it's why you do need to batter lots of other stuff. Is mm. because batter the thing that forms that oh, sealed layer right. and makes it cook on the inside as well as the outside. Mind you, a battered chip would be fucking delicious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually saw someone tweeting about battered chips this week. <laughs> I, well, it was just completely not even part of this research. <laughs> I just saw it and I just thought that is fit. Yeah, yeah. It, that does make me worry about your Twitter habits, actually. <laughs> You are going too deep. And quite often there'll come, it'll be a subject which I think I'm not interested in, like football. Mm-hmm. But the, because of the facts in it, I'll be like, this is so interesting. Dan from No Such Thing as a Fish was actually on 
Freakonomics last week, which is another one of my favourite podcasts, and he was doing football facts. And the, um, does Ian support Liverpool? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay, so my boyfriend supports Liverpool. And it was Liverpool. Sorry for your trouble. It's, it's, all I hear is Liverpool <laughs> oh, all the no, time. I actually love playing. it because, because they're doing so well. Yeah, because, that's better, isn't yeah, it? When it's so doing great. Well. Because also, I think just because Salas, I, I really love him like, as a personality. Yeah. So, so I, I actually don't mind it. I'm a bit of fan of Jorgen Klopp. All the way, yeah. best oh, manager in time. Yeah. Oh, he's such a nice man as well. That's <laughs> I, why I think it's. it's I feel a, like yeah. I know him. he's such a nice man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's one of ours, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but, um, so Ian would love this. It was an interview they were doing with um, the man who does the stats on the players they choose to sign. So he was telling a story about how when they mm-hmm. brought, yeah, they knew they wanted Klopp because of the season that he was having, and then he had this worst ever season with his team in Germany. Um, but they knew that it was they did all of the stats of it, and they and it wasn't the team's fault. They thought they said they were the second unluckiest team that they'd ever seen since they'd done stats. Um, but they they gave him a list of the top, the players that he should sign, and number top was Mo Salah, and he didn't want him. And so it was a story all about that, and it was so so interesting. Yeah, but it's someone's job to look at because it's not just obviously the goals that they score; it's very often how integral they are to the goals that are scored. Mm-hmm. So it's something that for me. Talking about it like that, it's like suddenly like, oh my God, I just this is so interesting, which yeah. I wouldn't necessarily feel just watching a match. Also, each year the show produces the book of the year. Yes. Coming up to Christmas, great yes. little gift there. Yeah. And it's really good for facts. They send me one because I go on QI. Yeah. And um, it's really good. And you can just flick things. You can go, oh, I wonder what facts there are about Donald Trump. And then you go in there and there's pages and it's brilliant. Like really funny, silly things. Yeah. That. But, and basically it's the weirdest news from the last 12 mm. months. Um, this year includes South Korea's announcement that its new robotics museum will be built by robots. <gasps> That's Amazing. Robot yeah. museum by robots. Uh, French cheese terrorists put a camembert through every French MP's letterbox. I'd oh love that. Oh my God. I'd, if I woke yeah. up and there was a camembert through my letterbox. Also, it's camembert because it's not even going to be like, oh, it's not been in the fridge. It'd be like, mm, even tasty. It's, tastier, it's been on the nice doormat. Yeah. You need to stick like a, a stitchlin in there, a blue or a stinking yeah. bishop. Um, Ariana Grande, uh, who got a Japanese tattoo, she intended to say seven rings, but then it actually ended up reading small charcoal grill. Did it? Oh, that, was, that went massive on the internet, didn't yeah. it? The small charcoal grill. There's a lot of... Yeah. I remember um, after my doing my exams, we all mm. go away in the school mm. trip um, with our friends with no parents. And there were a lot of tattoos mm. um, that nobody knew what they meant. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like, Ariana, you may not be the only one in this boat. Oh, I think there are lots of people in that boat. I've got a Japanese tattoo because I'm of that age. Do I've you have a, a Japanese tattoo? Yeah, I've got it, bottom of my spine. Your, <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I, honestly, ages me more than anything will ever happen to my face. <laughs> they but, might as well have branded you with a stamp at like yeah, 1997. <laughs> 1997, so she turned 18. Um, and um, But luckily, when you go to like um, certain massage parlours in Australia, they will always say, oh, this means angel. And you go, yeah, good. <laughs> it's always good to be confirmed. What does is your one mean angel? It means angel. You've got I, angel my, on your lower back. Yeah. Lovely. Oh. I was like, are you a big fan of the nineties Buffy um, sequel? Uh, no, I think it's more the Robbie Williams. Oh. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. That wasn't what I had. Could be worse. You could have had Robbie Williams written across your back. I used to, I do you know what? St- I probably still would have that kind of tattoo. <laughs> I um. This wasn't even that long ago. I've got t- I've got a few little ones. But oh, yes. This one, uh, Dave Grohl, who's like my favorite musician. Oh, yeah. I was interviewing him for MTV, mm. and I was like, oh, I'm gonna get him to write something, and I'll. Get a, get a tattoo. Oh my god! Did you? So this is—it's a yeah. song lyric, um, and it was—it was a new song. So yeah. like, no one else has done this before. And as he was writing it, all I could think was, "Write it smaller." Oh, <laughs> oh this god. is going to be a he big. He was like old... doing caps, and I was like, "No, yeah, marking you for life." I was yeah. like, "It's okay. It's only on my wrist where everybody can see." Yeah. So what does it say? It says, "Happy ever after," oh, which okay. is one of the songs from the last album. I—I I feel like in. 
10 years time I'm going to be like well what was I thinking of course you won't I don't think you will because it'll always be about that day and the, the story yeah. of it and yeah. but I always think why didn't he do it in small cap a small Aww. letters but anyway yeah. anyway you live and you learn <laughs> um, so that was no such thing as a fish um, which was launched in 2014 so I don't even know how many shows they must have done now at this stage yeah loads but I also think they've done a very cool thing where um, they take them off so they're not all available but you can buy them on um, a record Ooh, and things clever. like that yeah so they're really good with the kind of the merch and the offshoots of it well I suppose when Pug when they started as well like I feel at the moment there's such um, a huge eruption of podcasts yes. there's so many yeah. out there and you know there are people who do by series and do eight episodes mm. nine episodes and then you you know you have no such thing as a fish that has hundreds out there yes, now yeah. so I suppose when they started they didn't think podcasts they may not have realised podcasts no. would become such and a big thing and also I think they were one of the first people to do live shows certainly mm. that I was aware of as then they could do their entire podcast with an audience and then of course you monetize it and I do think Tickets. they do advertise as well but, but then without advertising because otherwise you're completely dependent mm-hmm. on does an advertiser want to advertise and do your listeners want to listen and sit through every adverts? time yeah. every time and I think that's I think that's changed as well because mm. when it started the people weren't people didn't want to advertise no. um I remember even uh, Scroobius Pip when he was mm. talking about his podcast he was on radio yeah he was on radio X or XFM mm. at the time and it was only when he realized actually he probably would have more listeners from doing yes. a podcast yeah. and being in control and mm. podcasts have a far wider reach than most yes. radio stations yeah. now yeah it's astonishing isn't it and and also what's so wonderful i think so wonderful is that it's free i think it's actually it's going to be looked back on as truly revolutionary as this extension of the internet where all of that content is for anyone mm-hmm. i mean I mean, I'll say anyone with a smartphone and that is mostly everyone but yeah. then even if you've just got a computer you can download yeah. it. Um, what do you think about the older generations getting into podcasts? Because mm. I, I, I remember saying to my mom, "I'm doing a podcast," and she was like, "You must tell me how to listen to this." And I'm yeah. like, "Just click this link." Yes. Do you think it kind of alienates a certain group of society? Um, it may be, but then it may be that those people will then start podcasting. Maybe that's the missing voice in podcasting. Maybe. I feel like that's what I was like when I realised it was just a button on my iPhone, and mm-hmm. it'd been there all along, invisible to me. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, oh. Mm-hmm. And then it's just there and it's always there and you just get them all through that. I felt like that. Like, it's so easy. It's like, the first time you do anything, you're like, oh, no, it seems really difficult. Yes. I have to download something. Yeah. You're like, no, no, it's literally yeah, it's just, just one button. Yeah. Um, another one going back to kind of the darker side of humanity. Yeah. All killer, no filler. Oh, yes. Also launched in 2014, mm. been going for a while. And it, you know, Rachel Fairburn and Kiri Pritchard, who are hilarious. They're so um, funny. And how you can make something so horrific as, you know, the the biggest murderers mm, from mm. history. Yeah. Funny. That's it. Because So there's two things I really love about, so I'd say the three podcasts that were this for me, which were Two Dope Queens, mm-hmm. um, All Killer No Filler and My Favourite Murder. All Killer No Filler, as you know, on the dates there, was around before My Favourite Murder, even though that's been much kind of mm-hmm. bigger, obviously, because of America. Um they research a serial killer, they tell each other the story, they both know all of the information, but they're also reacting to it in a very kind of humane, normal way. Like when you're talking about Fred and Rose West, some of those details are so sickening and are you, you, difficult to get your head around. And they're reacting to that at the same time as talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um and then, and obviously, they talk about their lives, and quite often they'll talk about comedians, and it's always bleeped who they're talking about. And I always just want to text. Sometimes they do just text Kiri and go, 
who is it? <laughs> who? There was, they were talking the other day about someone who smells of sperm. <laughs> did, 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 did you find out who it no, was? No, I didn't. I, they didn't tell me. And I was like, who smells of sperm? Like, I want to know. And they, they were just going like, Bruh. and every time he's is in a, gr- a green room, and he's just like, <laughs> what, is he eating sperm? Does he just wank all the time? It's so funny. It's so funny. They're, yeah, they're both such funny comics. But those three podcasts, the thing for me... Mm-hmm. I realised with Two Dope Queens and My Favourite Murder and Orkel and Ifida, I thought, why am I loving this so much? And I realised I... Are you never, worried? And I, I know, no, I realised I haven't heard women speak to each other uninterrupted. And 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 that was a huge realisation. I always see or hear women tempered by male voices, which mm-hmm. isn't to say that I don't like love what men have to add, but there was something so exciting. Is it, I felt like... Rather than like oh a night in with my best friend, I was listening to two other best friends having their night in or their night out, mm-hmm. and so that for me was like the most incredible voyeurism. Welcome to edition fifty-eight of All Killing All <laughs> Filler podcast with me, Rachel Fairburn, and Kiri Pritchard McLean. Just before we start, we'll do a usual disclaimer. This isn't hero worship. We do this podcast because we have mutual interest in serial killers. And as long as we are doing this podcast, it stops Stops us from writing to them in prison. prison. (laughs) I'm so sorry. We had been recording this podcast for about 15 minutes and I looked and realised I hadn't pressed record. Um, And we'd just been having a little argument about something. Uh, so I'm glad it wasn't recorded. I said things that I regretted already. Um, to recap, Ra- Rachel's got stains on her shirt from a, a sausage balm that someone delivered to her, which is, I think, very nice and chivalrous. It's very sweet, that, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is it a gentleman? It was a gentleman. That's uh, so euphemistic so, as well, and be like, sending you a sausage in the post. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just uh, I mess- I was messaging him, and I said, I'm fucking starving me. And uh, he del- sent a sausage balm. By a delivery. You're the kind of whenever you're with someone, they always like want to give you stuff and do stuff for you, make grand gestures. <laughs> I don't actually. My 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 partner is really great for that, but I've never been like, I've never been a woman who's inspired that kind of devotion. Well, I I don't know. Well, this lovely chap uh, took me to Cornwall as well. Took me for a walk for a field, and I I was not happy. <laughs> I fucking kicked off some at rotten. <laughs> I was like, I'm not fucking walking past that bull. It's quite posh actually. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was like, I'm not walking past that fucking bull. You think I'm... I went, do you know what? I've got podcasts to do. I'm not crossing this stream. <laughs> and he's just like, oh, it's fine. I'll carry you over it. I was like, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> Basically, he's being... Um, he's a cuckold. <laughs> and a lovely chap. <laughs> Let's see how I can ruin it. Um, Speaking of uh, not lovely chaps, this is episode 58. 58. It's Gordon Frederick Cummings... Known as the Blackout Ripper, which I think is a fucking it's a cool nickname. That this was a suggestion uh, from because we asked who who we should do for the next one. It is technically a spree killer, but you know sometimes we we deserve a, we deserve a break <laughs> <laughs> from from relentless years of death. He does it. He gets on with this pretty sharpish. Rachel and Kerry work so well. So they're together. very they're very, the very different in their comedy stylings, but they're both really honest they talk about sex and sexuality a lot they talk about kind of bodily functions a lot um 
Isn't it great for like having? Yeah, like, it's really I, great. I think on a lot of TV shows and radio, again, you know, I work um, with BBC, and mm. you know, it, it's a great broadcaster, but you are kind of not able to talk about a lot of things. Or you have to go You're through really certain limited. meetings. You're really limited. Yeah. While podcasts, you kind of can say, "I just said yes. shit there." Oh. Yeah, exactly. You're not uh, anywhere. We don't have censorship, which is the same as live stand up. Yeah, and that's that's the difference on TV. Everything is heavily kind of. Uh, checked for legality and what they call offensiveness, mm-hmm. and um, but on in a live gig, the audience are just there, and you just say what you say, and then sometimes they walk out and go, oh, "I don't want to see that person again," and that's and that's and that's how it works. That's yeah. the, the democratic nature of it. Is it hard as a comedian when you get up there and you don't have the censorship and you're telling your mm. jokes, but then if it's cut for like live mm. at the Apollo, yeah. that your jokes can be cut up yeah. in a certain way and you or, don't really or, have or quite control. Quite often, you have to give a, for TV. You'd have to usually give a script first. This is why people say, oh, TV comedy isn't very edgy. It's not comedians' fault. Yeah. Yeah. But that must be quite hard for when you work on something and if you mm. if it's edited a tiny way and they'll be like, Oh, Sarah's yeah. funny, but yeah, and you're like, No, yeah. it's so much funnier. Yeah, it's um but you have to not you have to be very good at being you're not in control of it. Yeah. Which obviously everyone has a controlling aspect. You can control your work in its fullness and then mm-hmm. in a way it's a bit like with a panel show, someone else controls how a conversation goes. Mm-hmm. You can look at stuff and go, Oh, I'm just laughing at someone else's jokes. I and did you- say stuff. Okay. People go, Why didn't you talk? And you're like it was a two-hour record, mate. Yeah. Like, I did talk. It's just not made an edit. But then I think it's much better to shrug and go, all I can control is what happens in the room and then it's someone else's job. Someone else's yeah. job. We're speaking there just about the live shows with mm. the podcast, like All Killer No Filler. Do you enjoy listening to podcasts when there's a live audience or do you think it takes it away from the intimacy? Um, I do like it. I went to see a podcast. I've been to see two podcasts being recorded. One of them I didn't know the podcast, so it wasn't the same. And everyone was going absolutely crazy. And it was these two American boys, um, Jake and Amir, Everyone was screaming and didn't understand. But then I went to see my favourite murder last year and I'm going again this month and Apollo. And I went with some of my friends who are also comics who like them. And I just started weeping the minute they played the theme tune. And then everyone just screams mm-hmm. and you get goose pimples. And so, yeah. So to be there, to yes. actually physically oh, yeah. be there. And also to be kind of part of it. And then to see them in real life, these people who, it's so intimate. If you listen to someone's voice when you're falling asleep every day or like once a week, I kind of find out how they are and how mm-hmm. their lives are going and how their cats are and dogs and all of that stuff. So to... To have them, they've kind of created such a empathetic movement around yeah. talking about crime and murder. So it is, it's just massive. Uh, I listened to one recently and they had this really cool kind of collaboration with um, Guilty Feminist Podcast yeah, oh, with yeah, Deborah Francis White. Yes. And I had to laugh because Deborah says that she, ha- I don't think she was familiar with the podcast beforehand. No, she wasn't. So when she looked at the list, she was like, why is it only men that are being yeah, interviewed? Yeah, she thought they were guests. They thought they were guests. Yeah. Like, no, no, they're the murderers. The fact that most of them are men kind of yes. says that most of the murderers yeah. in history yes. were men. Oh yeah, 88 88- percent of um, murders are committed by men mm-hmm. so yeah so that's All Killer No Filler mm-hmm. launched in 2014 a podcast about serial killers hosted by comedians Rachel Fairburn and Kiri Pritchard McLean um, in each episode the pair talk all things murder and they have a great laugh doing it they and do. that's They're really think, funny because sometimes when things are so horrific you mm-hmm. have to laugh yeah um, I want to talk about your podcast oh yeah and as I said, we're kind of having a boom at the moment with, with so many podcasts mm. out there. Now, this is kind of coming in conjunction with the launch of your book. Yes. Congratulations on the success oh, of Sex, Money, Power. Yeah. Uh, what made you want to do the podcast? Um, well, really early on in my research, I was really struggling because I realised I um, was talking about or researching some things which I don't have first-hand experience of. And I think especially in the area of sex work and transactional sex, um, 
and especially in feminism, mm-hmm. talking on somebody else's behalf about your opinion of something you haven't experienced is kind of a very easy pitfall to fall in. And so there's two things. One, it's not particularly interesting. And also, how dare I? <laughs> like, and so really early on in the process when I was struggling, I realised the one thing I had to do was make a platform for people to talk to themselves. And then if I wrote the book, which is like, here's how I'm processing things and here's my ideas and and here's a, con- uh, yeah, here's a response to a concept or, or a theory... But if I had alongside it a resource which was absolutely, like with podcasts, like completely free, I didn't put adverts on it, so I'm not making money out of someone else's mm-hmm. um, job or experience. And I paid everyone to come on it mm-hmm. so that I also wasn't expecting people to work for free. Mm-hmm. So I kind of legitimised it to myself morally all these ways. And then all I wanted was to, without actually try, I, I know I am a comedian but I didn't want it to be a comedy podcast as in I was never I never wanted to be worrying about like where's the joke I thought I'm just going to be really earnest and ask questions and these people can talk and we put them out virtually unedited how how long has the organization existed uh we've been going since 1975 1975 so yes I haven't personally no, but no. others uh, in the organization have yes and, yeah. and 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 in terms of setting it up what was the what was the need at the time uh, the organisation was set up by uh, two migrant sex workers based in the UK yeah. uh, in London who were uh, looking around. There was a lot of sex workers being arrested yes. um, constantly by the police. Yeah. A lot of uh, violence um, from clients happening uh, that wasn't being dealt with by the police. You know, mm. when women come, came forward to report the violence, nothing was happening. Um, and there was a need actually uh, to change something and for sex workers to be able to say something about their own situation and what they wanted changing. And so, yeah, they set up yes. the organisation. Yeah. And they looked around uh, for support or help from women's organisations mm-hmm. and were told to get lost so, by most organisations yes. except one. Oh really? Which there was were, one good one. <laughs> yes, one organisation, yes. the Wages for Housework campaign Yes, um, founded by Selma James um, yeah. who we're still based uh, at our women's centre with uh, who was interested and yeah, yes. came together. and Yeah, so Wages for Housework doesn't really get talked about very much anymore. Does it? Well, it does in the to the extent that uh, I think people know now the that the whole issue of caring work is really massively important, yes. and that the fact that caring work is unpaid for yes. means that it's devalued in society. And mm. I think there is a big and growing movement to change that to say that caring should be central. So you, you I mean, you interviewed so many people for for this podcast, mm. quite a wide range, and for someone who maybe wasn't familiar with the book mm. as a comedian, like it. It's serious. Like a yeah, lot, a lot, a lot of it is, like, yeah. you know, you're a journalist, like, mm. you know, asking some really important questions. Um, what were you surprised by? What did you learn from, from doing that? Uh, was there any kind of preconception you went in with and then thought, actually, I was wrong about that? Um, not from the podcast, mm-hmm. but quite often it was stuff that had happened. I realised a lot of things when I was writing the book that I was wrong about. Like? That, um, I really thought that 
um, in order to, if you wanted to help women who wanted to exit sex work, then um, criminalising it, uh, making it more difficult for um, the majority of people who buy sex on men, so the men who buy sex to do it, all of these things would, of course, be really helpful. And so I think, and I think that's a very common thing in feminism. If like um, we hear a lot about how all kind of sex work is kind of violence in the female body and it makes it worse for women in society at large. And I think I had absorbed those ideas for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of if you want to help people who um, maybe do sex work and it's not a choice, mm-hmm. you have to listen to what they want rather than you deciding. Mm-hmm. And, and so that for me was quite huge is that you can come from a really good place but still be wrong or unhelpful. The idea that criminalising sex work or criminalising the people who buy sex makes it much more difficult for the people and they become more vulnerable in selling sex mm-hmm. was huge for me. Uh, that's yeah. that's really interesting. I I did an interview earlier in the year with Melinda Gates, yeah. who has the um, the foundation, yeah. and she was saying, you know, especially coming from white privilege that yes. she comes from, yeah. like who is she to come in from her? And she really said she really had to kind of stop herself and mm. go. Actually, I have no idea because mm. she was like coming in trying to save these women from sex mm. work, mm. and they were like, bye stopping it and shutting it down mm. you've actually made our life harder because yes. we don't have skills we haven't got the education but or the it comes finances down to money. So, so that's the thing. children to feed that's it and um, so the majority of people who sell sex are mothers mm-hmm. um, and, and, it is, and it is an economic question mm-hmm. if we want people to have choices about where how they earn their money then, they, then that is what you do is you provide as a society you provide ways that women can work you make it easier with childcare at the moment it's so expensive for women to work and have childcare Sex work is a really flexible job, probably one of the most flexible jobs in terms of that you choose your hours and when you can work and you, you can fit it in around things. Mm-hmm. And so there's no point just arguing like morally what people should or shouldn't do when there isn't an alternative for some people. Mm-hmm. The, the three things you talk about in your podcast and, and book, sex, money, power. Mm. Three things that are very difficult, especially for women, in, mm. in, you know, to, to say like I'm going to write about, even talking about money. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I ha- was asked about doing an interview recently, and I was talking. It's a money interview, mm. and it was like for the Times, they want to ask you about money, and yeah. I would always shy away from that. Really, and yeah. now I was like, actually, I can yes. be like, I earned this much, or yeah. I, like, you know, it's my own private business. But if mm. there's nothing wrong no, with talking about money, yeah. And I feel, I don't know, is it just a female thing? I only know myself. I'm female. Yeah. This is my view. I feel that. I was. You never talk about money. It's embarrassing. You yes. shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't talk about how much something costs. And how do you feel, kind of, own as a female, or mm. even anyone, anyone I that think, you talk I think, to? I, so for me, I think it might be dependent on how you grew up as well. Yeah. Because I'm really gross about money. Mm-hmm. So I know I talk about money too much. Um, I'm. I've got money, mm-hmm. and I've got money now, and it makes. And I, and, I, and I talk about it too much, and I know that some people do think it's rude, mm-hmm. but. For me, I just can't, this excitement and this awareness and I, I have experienced the different kinds of life. And when I say I've got money, I'm not a millionaire kind of money. You can, you've choice. But it feels so wealthy. That's mm-hmm. it. It's the choice, the freedom, the autonomy. And I, it still hasn't stopped for me that when I go into a supermarket and I could buy anything I want, mm-hmm. when for a very long, well, obviously the majority of my life, I had a budget. Mm-hmm. And so from being... I don't know, I guess like living with my mum, but then also I moved out at 18. I have always gone in with a set amount of things to get, but you have £10 for your weekly shop or £20. And so the idea of now walking in and going, what do I want? Mm-hmm. It feels like a child going into Hamleys and like, mm-hmm. it's anything, just pick it off the shelf. Like, <laughs> Willy Wonka's factory, that kind of thing. And so, and I think it's really important, two things, in terms of like 
the wage gap with women and mm-hmm. equal pay in certain industries. Obviously, there's a very important discussion going on there. But then the awareness of um, women my age without children who are white, it, we don't have a wage gap. We are paid the same as our male ca- counterparts, mm-hmm. probably because we feel more confident to talk about money. Mm-hmm. And um, but um, so, so that's the other thing for me is that we have to be aware that while it's a really important thing, it's not just about movie stars being paid less than their mm-hmm. male counterparts. It's much more about the really, really kind of underpaid, undervalued jobs in our society. Childcare should be really valued and paid better. Yeah. It's one of the things that would then just change um, the kind of balance of society so much. And people who, like obviously nursing, working with older people, if those professions were paid better, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, they should be. I think as well, starting that conversation here with podcasts as well when I hear people talking about issues that I've dealt with and then it, it just makes everything a bit the communication is key mm, always mm. when I hear someone struggling with like saying oh I I get excited when I go to the supermarket and I can yes. buy stuff because yeah. I some, like I remember when I moved to London I couldn't afford to buy yes. stuff yeah. uh, and then get into a stage where you're like oh I might go out for dinner tonight yeah. Um was huge but you're also embarrassed to say that to, and also you, some friends can't do that or, yeah. or it's that going out I remember going out for dinner and everyone probably at some stage has found themselves in a situation where I remember I don't eat red meat and everyone mm. had ordered steak and I'd ordered this little risotto that costs mm. like 12 quid. And then they, and they, the and they split the bill. And I, no. and I ne- but I just paid for it. Yes. I paid 40 quid yeah. and I didn't have 40 quid at the time. Yeah. But I wouldn't, I would have been mortified yeah. to actually be able to say, do you mind yes. if I just pay yeah. without I, feeling I, terrible? I, I think I had a job, it would have been somewhere I worked and it would have been somewhere like Weatherspoons mm-hmm. where... I knew I couldn't drink because I didn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. And it was like one of those things where you spoke, you have to go, but then you also have to pay for it. Like the job wasn't paying for it. So I ate like a jacket of potato and everyone else was drinking and they tried to split the bill and I went to the toilets and cried. And I realised, look, I, it was a point where... You have to say something. I, had, okay. I, would, I wouldn't have physically had it. It wasn't a thing of like, oh, I won't be able to pay my rent. It's like, I don't have it. Yeah. Like, But I yeah. think I that used to be such a taboo thing to say that. Mm. And it's actually okay to say actually do you mind if I just pay for what I got without yeah. feeling like I know, a terrible and it's, person it's so different to being tight I know because that's the other thing is we find people who don't want to pay for stuff very unattractive but it's so different to someone going one of my ex-boyfriends I just had a, he never buys around and it's not because he can't he'll go home sometimes once after dinner with my mum he went that was a free night out I went it wasn't free. My mum bought you dinner, and he would. Uh, and it was it's just someone attractive. He's an ex-boyfriend. He's then, an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. yeah. And it's not. It wasn't because he didn't have money. He just thought if he'd gone out and he drunk eight pints and he hadn't bought any of them, he thought that was such a successful night out for him. Whereas it's like, who well, wants a friend like that in their group? I also quite enjoy n- being able to buy around. Yeah. Because there was a I time when it. I couldn't. I love it. And also, you'll have this because you're Irish, but and it's a thing for my family, and a lot of them. It's not because they have money. It's just like. It's just generosity. Yeah. The fight at the bar. Like, no, I'm oh my God, you've the got physical the last fight. one. You've got the last one. I'm getting this one as yeah, well. I'm yeah. having such a nice time. I'm so glad you're here. Let me get this one. You can get... Yeah, yeah. Like, I just, there's, so, there's something really beautiful in that interaction. Yeah. Or that thing, do you have this in your family where someone else sneaks off to pay the bill? Oh, I always do. I'm so, going to the toilet. Yes, toilet. With my wallet. Yeah, one, <laughs> and then you just do it around the corner. And then everyone's like, oh, you were angry. And no one will thank you for it. They'll just no, they'll they'll be, be really angry oh, with you. Oh, you're going like, on night now, yeah. Laura. I can't believe you went and did that. Yeah, being able to do that, 
and being one of the people that can just like, no, this was my treat. I had such a nice time. You can get the next one. It's really lovely. Um, well, the book yeah. is out now. Yeah. Um, it's a Sunday Times bestseller. Mm. Congratulations. It's huge. And the podcast is up there now. Yeah. Will you do more? I want to do more for the um, paperback. So next mm-hmm. year, because there's lots of things we didn't cover. Also, in some ways, I didn't really talk to anyone because it felt very exploitative. I did interview people for my book, but I didn't talk to anyone who had a, is, is a survivor of sex okay. work. And, and from I, I know I need to do that. It's working out a way of doing it to someone who wants to talk about their experiences, which isn't me just... Uh, I'm not a counsellor yeah. and, um, and or qualified in any way so be very careful but there's some there's topics we didn't cover we didn't talk about um, the fetishization of black men's penises and that's a yes. really huge topic literally yeah, a uh, huge topic huge topic and very problematic and uh, um, so I, I want to a few people have contacted me men who'd like to talk about it do you get when you put the podcast out? Do you have people contacting you that would say you need to talk about this yes, now as well? Yeah, okay. or, or talk to my friend this, or if you ever need someone else. So that was really good, and yeah. that's so that's what I'm going to do. Do another eight. Oh, please do. Yeah, we're different to- topics. Do. Yeah, Sarah, thank you very much thank for you, coming Laura. on the podcast. Thank you. And that's it. Another episode down as we delve deep into my guest's audio world. I hope you get cast away by today's top podcast picks. Yeah, I just said that, sorry. All of the podcasts we've mentioned today are included in the episode show notes. Now, if you love this conversation as much as I did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly installments of Cast Away delivered straight to your phone, hit the subscribe button. Until next time, that's it from me. Take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.